The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Thursday morning, October the 7th, 2021. It is 7.02 on your Tucson morning, and we are here live on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. We are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. So glad to be back with you guys here on this Thursday, a day after we saw a night of baseball that went to the wire and saw a walk-off home run in the National League wildcard game, and now we have the, the slates are set. We know who's going to be playing in the, uh, in the Major League Baseball postseason, the eight teams that remain in the postseason. And, uh, look, it's going to be a good one. Um, you know, there's no, no doubt about it. This is going to be a really good postseason, specifically – after kind of what we had to endure last year, you know, last year was just a, you know, for a lot of sports, um, other than other than the NFL, uh, we kind of had to endure a very, very different looking kind of a, uh, a patchwork put together of a season and a postseason. NBA was in a bubble. Major League Baseball played an extremely shortened season with kind of an expanded playoff situation. So we're, we're back to normal now. And uh, all is right with the world as uh, the Major League Baseball playoffs have been set. And uh, we're going to definitely be talking about that. We'll talk about that here starting off the show. We'll be uh, discussing last night's game and uh, also the uh, the MLB postseason preview. I've got my matchups here, uh, American League Division Series, the National League Division Series. I have some predictions for you in those series and some reasons why uh, I think that will happen. We've also got some NFL news and notes as uh, it was announced this morning that Jalen Smith, linebacker for the, I should say now former linebacker of the Dallas Cowboys, has signed a one-year deal with the Green Bay Packers. I don't think it's a big surprise there. That was kind of the talk of the town yesterday in the world of the NFL. Where would uh, where would Jalen Smith sign? You know, they, the Packers, and, and I don't want to say they missed out on the Stephon Gilmore uh, situation because they, they just didn't have the cap space to be able to sign him. Um, if they had made a trade deal with the uh, with the Patriots for Stephon Gilmore, it would have left them extremely cash strapped in the uh, the remainder of the season. It, look, every team has to keep a little bit of a nest egg aside for things that happen during the season. Uh, you know, injuries and you know emergency players that need to be signed for one and two million dollar deals and stuff like that. So um, I think that if if they had signed Gilmore, it would have left them with something like five hundred thousand uh, dollars under the cap, which is not enough to do your operations um, through the remainder of the season, depending on you know injuries and things like that, that that come up. You need to keep a little nest egg there. Every team does, so uh, it wasn't going to work out for them. However, with the uh, the the very friendly, I, I guess, acquisition contract of Jalen Smith, the Cowboys were forced to to uh, they're basically on the hook for the seven point two million dollars of uh, of cap space that it requires to uh, to sign Jalen. So the uh, the Packers are pretty much you know scot free. He goes and signs with them uh, for a deal. We'll talk about that coming up in our NFL news and notes coming up later in the show. We also have some big, big, big games in college football this year or this this weekend this year. This year we have a lot of big games in college football. Um, we have a lot of big games coming up this weekend in college football 
and uh, we'll outline some of those. Some rivalry games as well, of course, Oklahoma and Texas renewing their yearly rivalry in the, I call I still call it the Red River Shootout. I don't care if, if it's not PC anymore. It's the Red River Shootout. It's easier to say than the Red River, Red River game, uh, whatever they the, the, throw that double, triple R word in there. Uh, the Red River Shootout is this weekend, and uh, it's always a it's always a fun game to watch. It's a must watch game. The just for the fan experience, basically, just seeing that stadium split right down the middle. We have the crimson on one side and the burnt orange on the other side. It's always fun to watch. And both these teams, uh, you know, one of them needs a statement win. Another team just needs a win to keep pace in the uh, in the conference. So we'll talk about that and the other big college games coming up later on in the show today. But we begin with last night's game in Los Angeles. The Dodgers walk off the St. Louis Cardinals and will now face the San Francisco Giants in what is considered the most highly anticipated divisional or, I guess, league series in the history of baseball. Um, I mean, honestly, if you if you just look at straight records, the records of the two teams playing – it would be considered the greatest series, you know, leading up to uh, the greatest matchup in the history of baseball, period. End of story. Uh, you got two teams with more than 105 wins, which has never happened in the history of Major League Baseball postseason. The Giants and the Dodgers have never played one another in the postseason outside of when they were in New York, right, with Bobby Thompson, shot heard around the world, all that kind of stuff. But they never played each other in a divisional series, um, which is going to happen this year for the first time as well. So, and of course, we all understand the rivalry between the two, uh, between the two franchises and fan bases. It is heated, it is storied, it is long, and there is a lot of uh, vitriol between those two fan bases. And look, the teams too. I mean, look, growing up. You know, as a fan of these two, you know, one of these two teams in this in this rivalry, you got to see a lot of things. I got to see a lot of things that occurred, not only in the in the stands and things like that, and also in the uh, on the fan sites and whatever else. But the the players on the field, I mean, they feel that too. They carry that rivalry onto the field. Uh, it's important to the players too. You know, I mean, Barry Bonds, you know, couldn't have cared less growing up. Essentially, you know, I guess. I guess he's a little bit different because of you know who his uh, who his father was and stuff and um, who his who his godfather is and growing up around the Giants and stuff. But he would always wear beat L.A. T-shirts uh, underneath his jersey when they played the Dodgers and things like that. So it's been it's been a a, a rivalry that has spanned decades, uh, you know, the better part of a century, and it's uh, it's one of the best rivalries in all of sports, pro or, or amateur, uh, and we get to see that now, and it's all because of what happened last night as there was excitement at uh, Dodger Stadium. Now, Max Scherzer took the bump. We you know, we talked we discussed Max yesterday and and his success with the uh, with the Dodgers since coming over in the trade mid-season. Talked about how successful he was. However, you know, he was struggling leading into this postseason. His previous two outings were not very good. His last outing against the San Diego Padres gave up 11 hits and 5 runs in 5 innings. Uh, he just got absolutely shelled. He was having trouble with his command, and he had trouble with his command early last night as well. Throws a wild pitch in the first inning. You know, and these are the things that I talked about in the show yesterday where, you know, we knew that the Cardinals weren't going to make mistakes. They're just a, they're one of those mistake-free teams. They play the best defense in baseball, 
And with Adam Wainwright out there, a very seasoned veteran, throws a lot of ground balls. A lot of people, you kind of knew what you were going to get out of St. Louis. The Dodgers just had to keep from giving up runs that that St. Louis didn't earn. Well, (laughs) they did that in the first inning. It was 1-0. Max Scherzer throws the wild pitch. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, boy, this is it. This is what we talked about yesterday. The Dodgers are going to give up runs that they cannot cash in against, and the Cardinals are going to win this baseball game. That would end up becoming the only run that the Cardinals would play the entire rest of the game because now Scherzer, although he wasn't great yeah, last night, he was he was having trouble with his placement. Um, he was walking guys at, at a you know at an unbelievable clip for him, uh, you know to to, to walk three guys um, and only strike out three or four guys at the same time uh, is a is a an unseen ratio in the world of uh, the history of Max Scherzer. So um, he was struggling, and then he got pulled. In the uh, in the fifth inning, with one out in the fifth inning, and uh, they were talking about the telecaster. Like, you know, I wouldn't want to be Dave Roberts right now, and I wouldn't want to be Dave Roberts either, because you know you take Max out in a situation like that, and if the bullpen comes out, you know, comes into the game and gives up a big base hit or a double or a home run or something like that, and those two runs that you know that were that were uh, you know Max, those two base runners that were Max's uh, on on the base pass at the time had come in to score, and I was texting my buddy, I'm like. They're going to have to put Max Scherzer in a straitjacket to keep him from decapitating Dave Roberts. Like it was, it was, it was going to get ugly. It took some real brass for Dave Roberts to go out there and take the ball from Max Scherzer in that situation. But I think Max understood that uh, that he didn't have his best, and that the Dodger bullpen, which has been extremely good uh, all season long, you know, I mean, well, that's what happens when you get to audition as many pitchers as you did uh, for the Dodgers this year. They had a just a, I don't know, a laundry list of guys come through there that they had to try and, and uh, figure out how they were going to round out this bullpen for the uh, for the postseason run. But Joe Kelly comes in, slams the door shut, gets a strikeout at the end there, and uh, all was good. And then the bullpen was just absolutely lights out from there on out. They only gave up two hits um, in the remaining four-plus innings. No runs. They walked, I think, one guy uh, throughout the, the, the scattered throughout there. Uh, the bullpen was very, very good. Canley Jansen came in and uh, did give up a hit in the ninth, but struck out the other three guys for all three outs in the uh, the ninth inning, slams the door shut, and gets the win because the game was still tied going into the bottom of the ninth. Now, the bottom of the ninth was an interesting an interesting situation because it started with Albert Pujols leading off the ninth inning for the Los Angeles Dodgers versus, of course, his old team. And, you know, the, the team that he most likely will wear the jersey of, the cap of, when he goes in to the Baseball Hall of Fame. <clears throat> and uh, <laughs> I thought it was like, was like, well, here we go. You want a drama, this is it. <clears throat> and he got, you know, he got a piece of a ball, drove to center field, but uh, ended up just being kind of a line drive, kind of right at the center fielder. Then, uh, you know, then they get another fly out to center. And then the <laughs> Then things started to, to, you know, turn a little bit, okay? So T.J. McFarland, who had gotten the, the previous two outs, walks Cody Bellinger. Now, Cody Bellinger, who has struggled mightily, and I mean mightily all year. I mean, barely hitting better than you would expect a pitcher to hit this season uh, has Cody Bellinger. And, you know, it's been it's been a tough go for him, really tough go for him. But – 
he's able to kind of dig in, go deep in the count, and ends up forcing the walk from uh, from T.J. McFarland. So at that point, Cardinals manager Mike Schilt goes out there. He's like, "All right, uh, we gotta you know we gotta do the matchup here." So then he brings in Alex Reyes. Now <clears throat> Reyes, who was the closer for the Cardinals early in the season, lost his job because he kept giving up home runs, which is a problem. <clears throat> so, pardon me. My goodness. These early mornings, once again. Uh, you would think I'd be ready by now. But uh, the you know Alex Reyes comes in, you know, and, and the reason that he had lost that job is because he was giving up too many homers. He gave up 10 home runs uh, on the season and, you know, the limited innings that he did see. And at that point in time, with Chris Taylor coming up, and Chris Taylor, who... I mean, you know, not a whole lot of big household name, obviously. He was an all-star for the first time in his career this year, but hadn't been hitting, I mean, really been hitting below the Mendoza line for the entire second half of the season, or at least for the majority of the second half of the of the season. Had been struggling, you know, kind of, you know, caught fire early, of course, was on the all-star team, but uh, had been playing terribly, and in fact, I think in his last like 24 games, he'd been hitting like 114 or something, uh, some god awful number. Anyway, I sent a text to my buddy, and I'm like, I have a bad feeling about this, knowing that he's a Dodger fan, him knowing that I'm not a Dodger fan, and I said I have a bad feeling about this. And two pitches later, well, it was four total of four pitches in the in the in the count, uh, but uh, essentially the uh, that uh, that fourth pitch. After, after Bellinger, you know, Reyes kind of spikes the ball. He throws a fifty-nine and a half footer. It hops up to to Yadier Molina. Bellinger gets a good jump. He's standing on second, and now Reyes is a little bit rattled, and he throws a frisbee, and I mean a slider that just never slid, and it just hung up there like a beautiful little frisbee that you'd be throwing to somebody, and you know, Chris Taylor who had been benched last night in favor of Matt Beatty, hits the fourth walk-off home run in Dodgers playoff history. Ball game, good night, end of story. Dodgers move on to the NLDS. It was a hell of a game. Um, and, and look, you know, there's there's reasons to say I mean, it wasn't a super exciting game because there wasn't a lot of run scored. I understand that there's a lot of reasons why baseball or non-baseball fans or just casual baseball fans or casual sports fans would look at that and go, God, what a boring game that was to be living in the drama of every single pitch could mean the difference in the game is what made that game so good and it made it so exciting and look we can expect a lot more of that in the second in the second round of the of the playoffs because uh with the the matchup coming up uh, and we'll talk about those matchups in the next segment here but man there are some really really good matchups and I thought what was funny last night and I I know I tweeted this out I still I still don't understand why there's champagne celebrations after the one-game wild card win, especially for a team that won 106 games this year. Like, <laughs> like you, I mean, this is like a surprise to you. It's time to celebrate. You, I just, I don't, I've, I've never understood that. Like, why the teams do? Like, I can understand when you clinch the division, okay? When you've cashed in your, you know, you've, you've officially qualified for the playoffs. You've made the playoffs or whatever. That's fine. Time to celebrate. But winning a one-game wild card. Knowing that you have to play in two days uh, in a series for a team that's just waiting for you, <clears throat> I don't know. But again, 
this is a this is baseball. It's a clubhouse, not a locker room, and players are going to party. That's what baseball players do. And then Max Scherzer goes out there shirtless to do an interview with with uh, with the uh, with the television crew, and basically tells the television crew. Well, he, he, first of all, he said, "I'm too drunk uh, at this time," which is funny because in, unless he was drinking during the game, which I know he wasn't. Uh, there's no way Max could have been drunk during that short amount of time. Um, I think he was just having some fun. But, uh, you know, it's interesting. He, you know, he mentioned that he predicted how the outcome was going to happen. He's sitting there next to Joe Kelly, who relieved him in the game. Okay? They're sitting there watching the game together. And Max, according to Max Scherzer, was sitting there talking with Joe Kelly. He goes, here's how it's going to end. He said, Cody's going to draw a walk. Belly's going to walk. And... Uh, Chris Taylor's going to hit a two-run homer to win the game. He said he was going to be a, he's going to hit a, a fastball opposite field to win the game. So he didn't predict it 100% spot on because it was a slider that he hit about 400 feet into the left field bleachers. But uh, nonetheless, that's pretty damn close. So uh, Max Scherzer, the uh, Nostradamus, uh, Max Scherzer apparently, and he'll get his shot against the San Francisco Giants. It looks like he'll probably start Game Three on four days rest. Uh, against the Giants, which Game 3 is scheduled for uh, Monday. So he's going to get four days rest. He'll be ready to go. We'll see if he can get his mechanics back, if he can find the placement that he needs um, to be as dominant as as he has been for his entire career because right now uh, it ain't working for him. So we'll see about that. And that's something we'll definitely discuss when we get into uh, when we get into our discussion for the, uh, the lead-in for that particular series. But we'll talk about those matchups next. Join Spears and Ali this Friday from 3 to 6 for Bear Down Fridays at the Main Gate Square. The community will be joining together as we cheer on our U of A football team and the Wildcats get ready for their matchup against the UCLA Bruins. By the way, I do have tickets to give away today. Again, you'll have two chances to qualify for that, so be listening for those. Your text to win opportunity to win my tickets to the game. That's coming up uh, sometime real soon, actually. Um, but at the Bear Down Friday, between 4 and 7 p.m., you can enjoy the happy hour specials at the restaurant. So there's a Junior Kids Activity Zone, a Junior Cats Activity Zone for the kiddos. So uh, bring the family. The pep rally will begin at 6. It's, uh, it's a good time there as the Pride of Arizona marching band takes to the streets. Wilbur and Wilmer are there, the cheerleaders, the Palm Squad, the twirlers, everyone in attendance for the big pop, uh, pep rally for the uh, Arizona Wildcats. So that's this Friday from 3 to 6 with Spears and Ali, the, uh, the pep rally begins at 6 o'clock right there at Main Gate Square. Plus, some of the other, our sister stations will be there with game tickets and more to hand out. For more information, go to ESPNTucson.com. Come join us and celebrate some football in Tucson. All right, coming up next, my MLB postseason preview. will begin with the American League Division Series, the matchups there, and I'll tell you uh, my predictions for each of these series and maybe, maybe a little upset brewing somewhere in there as well. Come back next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back on this Thursday morning to the Jeff Dean Show. Here on ESPN Tucson, talking some baseball right now. As the Major League Baseball postseason is set, the matchups are in. We know who's playing who, where they're going to be playing, when they're going to be playing, and I have a preview set up here for you guys to talk about each one of these uh, series. It, it, look, 
there's something very unique about each of these series. Uh, they, they're each going to bring, obviously, a, a totally different feel from one another. Some are going to be, you know, featuring some more fireworks than others. There's series that, that feature uh, a lot of really young players, including rookies. Um, we'll talk about that in just a moment. Of course, there's plenty of veterans and such out there scattered around as well. But we begin with the American League Division Series, the White Sox and the Astros. Now, the White Sox in this, uh, in this you know, 93 wins this year, Astros 95 wins this year, both very good. Uh, we knew both of these teams were going to be good. Neither of these teams were a surprise team this year. Um, I got to see the, the White Sox in the preseason. I also have a friend who works for the White Sox. Um, he's one of their scouts. And so, I, you know, I know this team pretty well. They're very good. Um, look, this is a, a situation where the White Sox have an increasingly good staff. Their starters have been solid and, and complete all year long. The bullpen has been really, really good. Now, the problem for the White Sox right now is they're kind of missing a little bit of sizzle in the lineup, right? Like, I mean, obviously, Tim Anderson is freaking amazing. Like, he's so freaking good. And Jose Abreu does bring some nice power, of, of course, as well, as, as he always has. However, outside of that, you know, they've got some, they got some good power here and there. Um, but, you know, their lineup, when compared to Houston's lineup, is going to pale in comparison. Their, their lineup is so good. It is a seasoned lineup. It is a dangerous lineup. However, Houston's only got two legitimate starters in this particular series. I don't know who they're going to start in game three. You know, and, and obviously the, the lineup is going to be really, really good. I just don't know who they're going to get these quality starts out of. Um, you know, obviously they got here and, and they'll figure things out and, and they'll, they'll run somebody out there for, for game three. Um, but I, I just, I'm having a hard time kind of figuring out where exactly they're going to get the consistent pitching that they need in the postseason from their starters. Now, the Astros won this series five games to two during the regular season. They played seven times. Astros won five of them. So uh, a distinct advantage there. However, I just really like I, – I mean, I shouldn't say I like. I love the White Sox bullpen with Hendricks and Kimbrell. I just think, like, those are your, your one-two guys in, 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 the, in the late innings that are going to slam the door shut on those Houston Astros uh, hitters. So – I'm going to take the White Sox in five in this one. I know that that probably seems like an upset here. Um, I'm not exactly sure what the quote-unquote experts are pitching, but I think I, I think it's a pretty solid pick. I know it's it's not a huge upset, um, and the Astros, like I said, did win five of the seven games that they played straight up. But in in the postseason, everything changes. It's all about matchups, and I just really really like the White Sox starting pitching and their bullpen over the Astros lineup because I'll take pitching over hitting every single day and twice on Sunday in the postseason. So I'll take the White Sox in five. The other American League series, the Red Sox, who survived their one-game playoff against the Yankees. Most people were picking against the Red Sox in that game for some reason. I mean, I guess you have Garrett Cole on the mound. You expect a lot, but the Yankees were extremely underwhelming in that particular game, and the Red Sox came out 6-2 uh, to two winners the other night on Tuesday night. They're taking on their division rival, Tampa Bay. Uh, the Rays won 100 games this year, 162. 
The Rays won the series 11-8 to against the Red Sox, so it was close. And it, I find it interesting that the Rays are going to be starting three rookie pitchers in this series. Like their their top three guys are all rookies, which is it's crazy to think that. Now in baseball, okay, there's there are a lot of situations where you would never ever start rookies. Uh, you know, you don't you don't want young players coming in and and having the ball in their hands, and you know when when the, you know when the actual uh, championship is on the line. But these three guys, I don't know, man. Like they're different. Um, I think they're going to be. I think they're going to be just fine. Um, the Red Sox don't seem like they match up really well in any of the aspects of this particular series. And I like the Rays. I think it's going to go five, just because of the rookie aspect. I think they may struggle here and there a little bit. Um, the Rays bullpen, though, is so freaking good. And that's that's the difference really here because the Rays will be able to pitch, you know, seven or eight different guys out of the bullpen in their game should one of those rookie starters get into trouble. And they can start, you know, they can only you know roll those guys out there for three innings, four innings, uh, if they want to, and then go to the bullpen. And look, that's that's a nightmare on on a lineup uh, like the Red Sox. If you if you don't get to see the same pitcher twice in a game. It's going to be very difficult for you to gather any kind of a, of a rhythm uh, in your uh, you know in your at bats, and it's going to make things very difficult on the Red Sox. So I'm going to take the Rays in five, just because I think it's going to be a competitive series. It was competitive throughout the season. Uh, I think the Red Sox will do enough to win a couple of games here, but I do like the Rays in five in that series. So there you go, the White Sox and the Rays headed for the uh, American League Championship Series if it all plays out the way that I think it should, and I think it will. Now, in the National League, things get a lot more dicey. It is, I think both of these series are going to be much tighter than the series in the American League, and we'll talk about that coming up after the break. NFL Week 5 is here, and FanDuel Sportsbook wants you to get the most out of every play. That's why they're giving everyone a $10 risk-free bet every single week. And tonight is the perfect opportunity to give it a try. I was just talking to one of my friends last night. Uh, She's just kind of, she's a sports fan, but she's just kind of getting into sports betting. And she hit me up last night. I I ran into her last night and uh, she's like, oh, she goes, check out this. I could, you know, I I bet $10 on the Thursday night game and I can win $900 if it comes in. And I'm like, what in the world did you bet? So I said, I, I said, here, sign in. She signed into her FanDuel app. Um, and because she used my promo code, the $10 is risk-free. Like, she can get that back um, if, she, if she doesn't win. And it's going to be a tall task for her. Her parlay, uh, it's a fun parlay, and I'm rooting for her to win tonight. But uh, it, it's, it's going to be an interesting one to see what happens um, with, with, that kind of a, uh, with that kind of a bet. But, again, she's excited because it's, it's house money that she's playing with. She gets the $10 back because she signed up with my promo code. The promo code's Dean. It's my last name. Uh, if you sign up with the promo code Dean, you get the risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's the promo code Dean. Just make sure that they know that I sent you so that you can get that particular uh, that particular promotion that they offer. Now, while my parlay isn't nearly as outlandish as hers for the game between the Rams and the Seahawks tonight, I do have a, a, a same-game parlay on this particular game. 
Look, Seattle's given up a ton of second-half points in the league so far this year and week-to-week uh, week have been have been bad in giving up second-half points except against last week against the 49ers when, uh, after Jimmy Garoppolo went out. But my SGP has got Matthew Stafford over yards. i got the Rams' money line, and I've got over total points in the second half. I think the fireworks will go off in the second half in this particular game. And, you know, much like my friend, and I hope she gets that feeling of being able to cash in that same game parlay bet because there's nothing, nothing like it in the world where you get to just cash in that big SGP and have fun watching it unfold as you're watching the game. It gives you an extra, a little bit of, uh, a little bit of motivation to cheer on certain players and certain things to happen during the game. It just makes the game even that more immersive and that more, much more fun. So if you're new to FanDuel Sportsbook, sign up today with the promo code DEAN. Get your risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code DEAN. Make sure that they know that I sent you. 21 and over in present in Arizona. Refund is issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. Max refund is $10. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Same game parlay available for multiple sports in all states on mobile and web. If you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next Step to 53342. More on the NLDS, NL, NLDS coming up next. It's the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. All right, let's do it. Let's give away some tickets. Yeah. It's time to text to win my tickets to the game this Saturday against the UCLA Bruins. Arizona Wildcats kicking off at 730 at Arizona Stadium. And you can now register to win a pair of my tickets to that game. Text the word halftime to 68683. The word is halftime. That's one word, halftime to 68683. For your chance to win a pair of my tickets, text now. Message and data rates may apply. Good luck. There's a small window opening right now for you to uh, text in and register to win my tickets. We'll have the winners for uh, we'll have the, uh, the winners announced tomorrow. And uh, once we've got our winners, we will text the tickets to you. We'll just text them to your phone. So whatever phone you start texting in with is the number that's going to be registered to win for uh, for those tickets. So they'll just pop right up on your phone there, and uh, you'll have them for the game on Saturday night. So good luck. Text now, halftime, to 68683 for your chance to win my tickets. Good luck, and thank you, and enjoy the game. Um, okay, so let's go on to the National League. The National League Division Series, look, I, I think this is where all the eyes are going to be, and it's not going to be on the Braves-Brewers matchup, which we'll talk about first because there's plenty of time to talk about the Dodgers and Giants coming up. But I want to get this, I don't want to say out of the way, Obviously, it's an important series, but I don't want to spend too much time on it. Braves, they won 88 games this year, 88 and 73 on the season, 15 games over 500, taking on the Brewers, who were, uh, won 95 games this year. Brewers look really good team all season long. They, you know, they obviously they have the best pitcher in the National League with Corbin Burns, who had just an incredible season. Uh, I think he was the first player in National League history or first pitcher in National League history to lead uh, to lead the league in strikeouts per nine and walks per nine since – or the first guy to do it since Walter Johnson in like 1913 or something. Ridiculous numbers. Regardless, he's really good, <laughs> and he's going to be the game one starter, obviously. He's so freaking good. Um, 
the the Brewers, interestingly enough, you know, when, when when the Giants played the Brewers earlier in the season, the first time that they played them, um, after that series, it was a it was a tough series. If you uh, were watching that, if you're following closely, it was really really back and forth. There was um, a lot of late inning drama in those games. Uh, Gabe Kapler, manager of the Giants, afterwards said that that's the best team that they played all year. And that's saying something because you know, the Giants play a lot of games against teams like, and this is when the Padres were, you know, 15, 16 games over 500, obviously the Dodgers. Um, you know, the Giants had played the best of the best this year. And he said that, that the best team that they played was the Milwaukee Brewers. And, look, that's saying something. So you look at this series, the Braves have no Ronald Acuna. Um, he's, you know, he's out with an injury. However, I think the more important injury is the Devin Williams injury for the Brewers. Devin Williams fought the wall, and the wall won, breaking his pitching hand and being out for the, out for the postseason for the Brewers. He was their best setup man, their best, uh, their best guy in the bullpen leading up to, their, you know, leading up to, the, to the closing uh, duties there. So losing Devin Williams, in my opinion, is much bigger than losing Ronald Acuna for the Braves. Now, I know that Williams is more of a uh, more of an off-speed breaking ball type guy, and the Braves feast off of those type of pitchers. So his replacement in the uh, in the in the bullpen may be more of a of a fastball type guy, which could end up being playing in the Brewers' favor, which makes things kind of interesting there as well. However, I think that that the 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 blow to not having Devin Williams in that bullpen is much bigger than not having Ronald Acuna in the lineup for the for the Braves. I'm going to pick the upset here. I'm going to pick the Braves to win this series in five. I think <laughs> I well, I, I say I think. I know that Freeman is a is a phenomenal baseball player. I mean, there's 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 no doubt that Freddie Freeman's still one of the best hitters in baseball. I think he's got something left. I think he's got something left for Atlanta. They obviously he's going to be a free agent when the season is over. Um, there are still discussions of whether or not he'll re-sign in Atlanta. I, I just think that in in key moments of this series, it's going to be Freddie Freeman at the plate, and I think he wins those lineups, wins those matchups against the Brewers in those particular situations. So while I do think the Brewers are an excellent baseball team, and I know a lot of people were picking them to win the World Series before uh, Devin Williams got hurt, I, I, I like the Braves to stop them in this series. I like the Braves in five. And now we've come to the series that everyone is talking about, the one that is going to be getting all the eyeballs, Major League Baseball gushing over themselves right now that they've got this, uh, this matchup in the, a- in the NLDS. It's unfortunate that the series is only slated for five games because you could make it nine and it still wouldn't be enough. This is going to be one for the ages. This is going to be maybe the greatest postseason series we'll ever see uh, outside of a World Series when it's for all the marbles, obviously things are heightened at that point. The 2001 World Series comes to mind. That was one of the best series of all time, um, even though individual games were a little bit you know, slanted as far as scores go. There was some blowouts in that, in that series. The 2001 series obviously hit close to home here, and after the 9-11, there was emotions were running, running high. This particular series, though, is going to just offer the best – pure baseball we've seen in a long time. Both the Giants and the Dodgers are kind of old school. They like to manufacture runs. They feature players who can play multiple positions. That's kind of like a new little wrinkle on traditional baseball. They have 
they got, they got players that can play four or five different positions throughout the lineup. Um, you know, they feature they both of them feature very good starting pitching, and the Dodgers obviously with their their three that uh, even without Clayton Kershaw, their three are still very good with Urias in there. The the problem here is for the Dodgers is normally they would be running Urias out there for like like multi inning type of middle you know middle role setup you know where he's if if the starting pitcher gets into into trouble or if they're trying to save an arm for a game six or a game seven somewhere in this particular situation a game five you know if they're trying to save Max Scherzer let's say for a game five Urias would come in and he would pitch innings like four through seven or you know three through six or something like that where they really would use him for that now they're going to have to start him in these games and then rely on the bullpen on the back end to pick him up. Now, the bullpen has been very good. In fact, it's been one of the best bullpens in baseball down the stretch. It really has been. Um, They have been just absolutely lights out. However, when you talk about who their opponent is and you're like, how could it get any better than what the Dodgers have done? The Dodgers have played, I mean, maybe the most unbeatable baseball over the last two months in the you know in, in Major League Baseball, I mean, just watching them, they were they were practically unbeatable in the final two months of the season, and they still could not catch the San Francisco Giants, who just continue to win games. Everybody picking against them, I the the Giants right now I think are like the fifth, the fourth or the fifth favorite to win the World Series. I do not know how that can be. <laughs> the team that won a hundred and seven games in the regular season did so in a division where now before the Padres players quit on their manager and the manager got fired last night Jace Tingle got got fired we'll talk about that but before the players quit on their manager last night that team was a 20 game over 500 team they were really good players quit though they realized that they weren't going to catch the Dodgers and the Giants so they quit on their manager they stopped playing and they plummeted they I mean they had a horrible August and September uh but the the Padres are very good baseball team and so the Giants, playing in a division with the Dodgers, with the Padres, still able to win 107 games. They, you know, they, of course, the rest of the schedule played out the same way as everybody else's did. But the Giants just continued to find ways to win games. I remember I was talking to, was talking to my buddy and who works for the White Sox, and uh, he's like, "Yeah, I mean, he goes, he's, I, you know, I'd be watching the scores and stuff, and obviously the West Coast, West Coast scores are coming in late." And, you know, him on the East Coast, he's like, I, you know, I'd go to bed. The Giants would be losing almost every single night that I went to bed. And then I wake up and I start checking my, you know, checking the scores on my phone. And I realized the Giants had won. They pulled out the game in the ninth inning. And he goes, that must have happened 20 times, man. You know, and he and I were talking about it. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it really was a situation where the Giants just, you, you, they were the unkillable team. You could not kill the San Francisco Giants for 162 games this year. They just they would not die. And when you look at some of the metrics, and it's not about the individual players. Yes, they did lead the major in home runs, which is f- remarkable to me. I can't believe that that even happened. The Giants never lead the majors in home runs. A lot of it is because of the ballpark they play in. Uh, AT&T Park is not a home, a, a home run hitters friendly park. And specifically because of just you know the type of lineup and you know you got you got a bunch of old guys out there running around hitting home runs and Brandon Belt hitting twenty nine home runs and Buster Posey over twenty home runs you're like what's going on here Brandon Crawford 
Um, you know, like I saw these guys in the spring, and these guys could, you know, could barely reach the, you know, the outfield, the warning track, and that's in Phoenix. So um, it, this team is not a metrics team. They just win games. Like, even though they, they have a manager, obviously, in Gabe Kapler, who's a metrics guy, he's a, you know, he's a, he's a new school kind of guy that likes to play with old school type of, of winning games, the Giants just, you, just, you, you couldn't kill them. They were they, they were just one of those teams that just no matter what you did they were resilient. You know, the Giants won this series in during the regular season ten games to nine. There was a difference of two runs scored between the two teams by the time the dust had settled in the nineteen game regular season. And going into the final uh, the, the final series of the um, of the season for them, the two teams were eight and eight against each other, and they each scored sixty eight runs. Like, it does not get any closer than this. This is a series that's going to go down to the last pitch, the last at bat in every single game. This might be the most exciting, the most compelling, the most competitive series in the history of baseball's postseason. It's the only time two teams over 105 wins each have faced one another. You've got 213 wins between the two teams, which is by far the most between two teams in a postseason matchup. And I think it's all going to come down to which team can get the final at bat more times than the other. And judging on how they, how, obviously how they you know, figure in home field advantage, the Giants have home field advantage three times to the Dodgers two times. And I think that's the difference in this series. The Giants will have more opportunities in last at bats than the Dodgers will. And that's why I'm picking the Giants in five. And it has nothing to – look, I'd rather – listen, I'd rather shave everything off of my body than pick the Dodgers to win a game. I, I just I, – I could not – I could never do that. But I'm trying to be objective here. I'm trying to figure out how the Dodgers can win. And, look, there's plenty of ways the Dodgers can win. And I think a lot of people are probably going to pick the Dodgers to win this series. And they would be – well warranted in picking the Dodgers to win this series. They're an incredible baseball team. They're the defending champs. They don't have Clayton Kershaw. They won't have Max Scherzer to game three. And Max Scherzer has struggled in his last three outings as a starting pitcher. Cody Bellinger's not hitting the ball at all. He's 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 practically a liability out there. They're going to have to find somewhere to play him because of his defense is so good. The Dodgers' defense is not very good. And the Giants are missing Brandon Belt, their leading home run hitter on the season. They're going to have to find ways to plug guys into the lineup to fill hit the gap that he leaves behind. So both of these teams are hurting a little bit right now. A couple of star players are out. But it's going to be one for the ages, folks, so buckle up. Uh, the games are Friday and Saturday, games one and two, and then game three is Monday. Going to be fun, and I'm picking the Giants in five. So there you go. Those are my, uh, that's my Major League Baseball postseason preview for the DSs. White Sox in five, Rays in five, Braves in five, and Giants in five. I just think all the series go five games. If they go less, I'll be surprised, to be honest with you. I think these are all really, really closely matched teams. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we return, we will start to transition into football, as there's plenty of news and notes out there from the NFL. We'll feature some of the big games in college football coming up, and we'll talk about tonight's Thursday night game as well. Still a whole lot more left here on the Jeff Dean Show. Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. 
More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show. Quick segment here. I mean, real quick segment here. I talked too long about baseball. Mary's yelling at me during the break. Quick segment here, and then we got the quick little two-minute turnaround right to the top of the hour. So stay tuned right here. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with some stuff. But uh, real quick, uh, before we break, it's uh, it's apparent now that like, there was some thoughts on Sunday that there was something wrong with Baker Mayfield. Like, Baker Mayfield, as erratic as he has been in his career, in his short career in the NFL, what we saw on Sunday against Minnesota, that putrid performance where he was – 15 of 33 for 150 yards, and they had to eke out a win against the Minnesota Vikings. It's just a really, really ugly football game. Now we find out that Mayfield has been playing with a torn labrum in his left shoulder since trying to make a tackle against the Houston Texans after an interception that he threw. Remember the play. I remember the play well. Now, look, I respect Baker Mayfield wanting to be that football guy, the tough guy and stuff, and he's like downplaying. He's like, it's not that complicated. It shouldn't be affecting my throwing. I have to man up and just make a damn play. It's just that simple. But there are times where you also have to realize that there are things going on with your body that are affecting other parts of your body. And maybe it's time for him to kind of like take a step back and look like, okay, this shoulder injury may be affecting my throwing motion, and now it's hurting my team. Because his quarterback rating so far this season is 27th in the league, 26th in the league, sorry, 26th in the league in quarterback rating. So might want to stop being a tough guy there, Baker. I do respect it, but learn to talk to your doctor from time to time. Take a two-minute break. Real, real quick, right back on the Jeff Dean Show here on ESPN Tucson. From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson. KWCX Tanka Verde. KMXZ HD4 Tucson. 